Hello and welcome to this GBM Media Podcast. You're about to hear Serving Today, a programme for pastors and church leaders. If you're involved in any form of Bible teaching, be that one-to-one or in small or larger groups, Serving Today will be relevant for you. Welcome to Serving Today, the programme for those leading in the Church of Christ. This is Andrew Cook and it's lovely to have your company again. The Spirit World, the series continues. And Derek French joins us to explain another name of Christ. At the moment we're thinking about the spirit world and what the Bible has to say about it. And last time here on Serving Today, Graham Jones, who's helping us, explained what good and bad angels do. Well, to tell us what we're going to be looking at today, here's Graham. In African tradition, there is a close relationship between the living and those who have recently died. They're called the living dead. It is said that the stability and blessing of a person's life or of the clan are associated with those who have died, especially the tribal elders. It's a a serious matter to ignore the will of the ancestors. So today we're going to see what the Bible teaches about death and the living dead. And which passage from the Bible is most helpful as we think about death and the living dead? In Luke chapter 16, verses 19 to 31, Jesus taught a parable of a rich man and Lazarus. In this story, Jesus is teaching about the living dead and what happens after death. And although it is a a story, what Jesus says is consistent with teaching in other passages in the Bible about death. In the parable, both men die and Lazarus is carried by the angels to Abraham's side. Although he was poor in life, he was rich spiritually, as he had faith in God, and he is carried to a place of peace and joy. The rich man, when he dies, he's taken to Hades. It's the place of the departed spirits. It's for those who do not have faith in God. He is in torment. He remembers his missed opportunities and is concerned for his family. He asked for Lazarus to be sent back to warn them, but his request is denied. Abraham says that God has given everyone the scriptures, and if people do not listen to the scriptures, they will not believe, even if someone rises from the dead. So what's the the first lesson we can take from Luke chapter 16, verses 19 to 31? The first lesson is, is what does the Bible teach about the spirits of the dead? Jesus teaches that those who have died are conscious and continue to exist. They are the living dead. They remember the things of this life. Jesus also teaches that what we believe in this life about God and the Saviour will determine our eternal destiny after death. At death, there is this permanent separation between those who have faith in God and are trusting in Jesus the Saviour and those who do not. (music) 
Okay, what's the second lesson from the parable of the rich man and Lazarus? Secondly, let's let's think about what happens to Christian believers when they die. Jesus teaches that when a believer dies, they go to Abraham's side. That means to they go to be with Jesus. It's a picture of paradise. It's a a place of peace and joy. The Bible teaches this truth in several different parts. When Jesus was on the cross, he told the repentant thief that when he died, he would be with Jesus in paradise. Let's read Luke chapter 23, verse 43. Jesus answered him, I tell you the truth, today you will be with me in paradise. Paul also describes his own desire in Philippians chapter 1, verse 23. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. And Paul says also in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 8, about believers who have died, that they are away from the body and at home with the Lord. And so in this parable of Jesus, Lazarus is enjoying all the good things of being with Jesus. For a believer, they will be with Christ, Paul says. It will be better by far, at home with the Lord, in paradise. And so the Bible says that believers are given a heavenly form. They can speak and relate to one another. There is worship, rejoicing and prayer. Believers who have gone before are witnessing the lives of believers still here on earth. They're enjoying the presence of Jesus Christ. And Graham, what about the belief that there is some form of halfway house after death? The Bible says that believers do not go to purgatory. As Jesus has fully paid the price of their sins on the cross. There is no soul sleep as as believers are, are fully conscious and are now enjoying life with Christ. And believers are waiting waiting for the second coming of Jesus, when he will come in power and glory. Then they will be given their resurrection body and enter the new heaven and the new earth. So Christian believers go to heaven. The next question is, what happens to unbelievers when they die? In this story that Jesus told in Luke chapter 16, verses 19 to 31, Jesus shows that unbelievers, when they die, They go to a place of torment. After the rich man had died, he was taken to Hades. He's in torment. There is pain and regret. He is away from God's presence. In Matthew chapter 25, verse 41, Jesus says to those on his left side, Depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. There is no second chance after death to repent. After death, there is judgment. Hebrews chapter 9 verse 27 says, Just as man is destined to die once and after that to face judgment. And so when Jesus comes again in power and glory, there will be resurrection and final judgment. Unbelievers will be cast into everlasting punishment in hell. A bleak and sobering way to end today's study on the spirit world. Next time, Graham will guide us through what the relationship should be between those who are alive on earth and the living dead.
Well, it's our pleasure to welcome Derek French back to the programme. In the Names of Christ series, he's been helping us to better understand the titles used about Jesus in the Bible. The name of Jesus we're going to think about today is that he is the Christ. And the first uses of this name are found in the opening chapters of Matthew's Gospel. For example, in Matthew chapter 1, Matthew gives us the genealogy or family tree of Jesus. He begins like this. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Matthew concludes this section in verse 16 with these words. Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom Jesus was born, is called Christ. In Matthew chapter 2, when the wise men ask Herod, where is he who was born king of the Jews? Herod took steps to find out, and we're told in verse 4, and assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. Now, this title Christ is the Greek equivalent to the Hebrew Messiah, and literally means the Anointed One. The Christ was anointed by the Holy Spirit to carry out the great task of saving his people from their sins. In the Old Testament book of Isaiah, we're told about the Messiah in Isaiah 61 verses 1 to 3. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour, and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant to those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. And Jesus read from these very words when in the synagogue in Nazareth, and he ended by making this comment in Luke 4 verse 10. Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. In other words, he was the Messiah, the Christ, the long-promised and hoped-for Redeemer of his people. This anointing by the Holy Spirit meant that, as the Christ, Jesus was ordained by God to perform this task, and set apart by him to accomplish this great salvation, and fully qualified to finish his work of rescuing a multitude of sinners from their sin. In the Old Testament, three different groups of people were anointed, and they all have a fulfilment in Jesus. There were the prophets of God who were appointed to bring the word of God to the people. We read, for example, in 1 Kings 19 verse 16, that the prophet Elijah was told concerning Elisha. Elisha, the son of Shaphat of Abel-Mahola, you shall anoint to be prophet in your place. Similarly, priests were also anointed, especially the chief priests. We read concerning Aaron and his sons in Exodus 28 verses 40 and 41 that God said to Moses, For Aaron's sons you shall make coats and sashes and caps, you shall make them for glory and beauty, and you shall put them on Aaron your brother and on his sons with him, and shall anoint them and ordain them and consecrate them that they may serve as priests. And the third group who were anointed were kings, for example, concerning the first king of Israel, Saul, we read in 1 Samuel 10 verse 1, Then Samuel took a flask of oil and poured it on his head and kissed him and said, Has not the Lord anointed you to be prince over his people Israel? And you shall reign over the people of the Lord, and you shall save them from the hand of their surrounding enemies. And this shall be the sign to you that the Lord has anointed you to be prince over his heritage. David was similarly anointed as the next king, and he was promised to have a descendant who would sit on his throne forever, and it was Jesus 
who was promised to be that king by the angel Gabriel when he announced to Mary how special a son was going to be in Luke 1 verses 32 and 33. He shall be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. So as the Christ, God consecrated or set him apart to a threefold office as the anointed of God. He was set apart to be the prophet and high priest and eternal king of his people. He was given the Holy Spirit without measure, John 3 verse 34 tells us, because he utters the words of God. As our prophet, we are to listen to his teaching, which is the word of God, the Bible. As our priest, he is the one who both died for us and now intercedes for us. And as our king, he reigns and rules over all things for his church. And to him, we are gladly to submit our lives and love and serve. The Lord Jesus is the Christ, the anointed of God, the Messiah, our great saviour. Thanks to Derek French for bringing us to the end of our time here on Serving Today. So until next time, this is Andrew Cook saying goodbye and may God bless you as you serve Christ our Lord. Well, thanks for listening to Serving Today, a podcast from the Grace Baptist Mission radio team. To get in touch with us, you can send us a message via WhatsApp. The number is plus four four seven five zero eight nine three two five three four. That's plus four four seven five zero eight nine three two five three four. Or email us. The address is servingtoday at gbm.org.uk. Until next time, goodbye.